0: Hi, my name is Mike Herpster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message.
1: And all God's people said? Remain standing. Get your Bible. Hold it up good and high. Let's see if you learned anything. Shake it back and forth. We just stuck it in the. Oh, you guys are a bunch of wimps. I said we just stuck it in the. All right, open the book to the book of Judges tonight. The book of Judges and go to chapter number 13. If you had a good day, say amen. Dave, you, you can't have a good time here. It's an impossible that we can help you have a good time at all. Most of you have no idea, unless you've been here, that this was like spring at Southland. I mean to tell you, I've been here when you can stand still and sweat. And this is a beautiful, beautiful weather. A little rain came in. The rest of the day was pretty. I hope you enjoyed it. Anybody been fishing? Anybody been fishing? Did you catch anything? Boys was silent. Didn't catch anything. Well, they're in there, and they're still in there after you went after them. So if I were you, I'd use dynamite. See if that works. All right. Everybody ready to go? Now before... We read the text, we're going to say our theme verse. So you may need to thumb back over to the book of Psalms and go to chapter 84, but don't look, lose the book of Judges, take you half hour to find it. So thumb back over to the book of Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11, get a good gulp of air, it's reference, verse, and reference. Here we go, ready? Psalm 84, 11. for the Lord God is a sun and a shield, the Lord will give grace and glory, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. God is good. All the time. I, You don't believe it. I said God is good. All the time. Now, we'll look at Judges chapter number 13. A little lengthy passage, so hang in there. Verse 24. 13, 24. Woman bear son called his name Samson. The child grew and the Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord began to move on him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estiol. Chapter 14 and 1, and Samson went down to Timnath, saw a woman in Timnath, the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman of Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, isn't there a girl in the Jewish youth group you could date? That's a loose translation. Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren and among all the people that thou goest to take a wife, the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, she pleases me well. Now go to chapter 16 and verse 1. 16, 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw their harlot. Went in unto her and was told the Gazite, saying, Samson is come thither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet at night, serving, uh, <clears throat> saying in the morning, when it's day, we'll kill him. And Samson lay till midnight, and rose at midnight and took the doors of the gates of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, put them upon his shoulders and carried them upon the top, up to the top of the hill that's in Hebron, Verse 4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now go to verse 21 of chapter 16. Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gazan, bound him with feathers of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Verse 28. Samson called upon the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was born up, of the one with the right hand, the other with the left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his death were more than they which he slew in his life, Then his brethren, all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtiol in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. Go back to chapter 14 and be seated, please. Counselors, you help us tonight, please. Make sure you're aware of what's going on in your row. Most of you are listening well. There's about a half a percent of you I got my eye on. And I want to make sure that you know I'm watching you, so you watch me. I ain't much to look at, but I'll do the best I can. Tonight's message is entitled, The High Cost of Low Living. Let's bow our heads to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. So last night we said God is good all the time. We said about His Word, He's a good Word. So here's the question I'm going to ask you tonight. If this good God from His good Word shows you something in your life tonight that is not good. Will you confess that, forsake that, and let God change your life? I'll say it again. If this good God from his good word shows you something in your life tonight that is not good, will you confess that, forsake that, and let God change your life? Now don't raise your hand if you have to wait to see if somebody else is going to do it. But if you'll promise God you'll do that before I ever preach, would you raise your hand real high in the building? That's me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God, the God of the Word. Neither will change, both can change us. Most have said yes. Some are so foolish, they think they can pick a fight with you, but everybody loses. Dumb people fight God, smart people follow God. And so bless the smart people that will follow you. And those that are dumb, may they wake up and smell the coffee and understand you are in charge, you are Lord, and you want to be their Lord. So thank you in advance for what you're about to do, and we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name and all God's people said, There are many exciting and intriguing characters in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, the Bible is a collection of character studies. Now some are obscure, some are obvious, some are insignificant, some important. Some you get just a glance, the others you get to gaze on. There's a few all you get is their name, but there are some you get to see their entire nature, thus the man Samson. God thought his life was important enough that he gives four chapters in the Holy Bible the study of it, because he wanted us all to understand the high cost of low living. Who is Samson? Well, he was born at a dangerous, bad time in the life of Israel. Six different times they've gone into apostasy. They would disobey God through idolatry and immorality. God would bring a heathen nation. They would eventually repent. God would bring a judge to help them. It's cycled six times. This is number seven. Now the Philistines for forty years have had them in subjection. A barren woman is visited by God and he says, you're going to have a baby boy and that boy is going to judge Israel and here's what I want you to name him, Samson. So sometime later, her husband comes home, she says, we're going to have a baby. He says, you're barren, how's that going to happen? God said, it's going to happen. Well, you got to get that angel back so I can learn how to raise this boy. Some of you come from families like that and uh, your parents really wanted to know how to raise you. My wife and I didn't have any children for seven years, didn't think we were going to have any. And then one day my wife came home. She said, I got the nine month flu. I'm going to be a mummy. And I said, Hallelujah. And we had Ben. He's almost 40 years of age. And so I know I identify a little bit here. Well, the boy is born. And when he is born, he has all the opportunity to be a major hero in life, but unfortunately he ends up being a zero. So we're gonna to start tonight with his spiritual potential. Last night, I said everybody in this room has potential. Where did his spiritual potential come from? It came from a special conception. A woman who could not have a baby was allowed by God not only to have a baby, but to have a special baby. Do you realize if you have been saved, you've had a special conception? You may not have had any choice about your first birth, but everybody has a choice about their second birth. However, you don't birth yourself. John 3.3 3 says, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. John 6.44 says, the Father has to draw you. John 16.8 says, the Spirit will bring reproof and judgment of things to come. First Peter 1.21, being born again and out of a corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God. So God will draw you, convict you, show your need. The word of God will take root, but you get to make a choice. Now, if you make the wrong choice, don't you ever blame God if you go to hell. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3: this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There are some who believe God chooses some to go to heaven and some to go to hell, and that is a lie straight out of hell. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you've been born again, you've had a special conception, but he also had a special consecration. From before his birth, he was to be a Nazarite, the Nazarite idea was to be separated totally unto God. He was separated from before birth in the womb and after birth. He was called by God for a special mission, so are you. Romans 8, 28 and 29, we learned this morning, whom we did foreknow, we also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. You weren't born to serve you, you were born to serve God. You weren't born to do your thing, you were born to do the thing for which God made you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6, 12, and 14, that we should be to the praise of his glory. You're on a mission. God has a mission for everybody here. And so you can be the Samson of this generation and be a winner, not a loser. But that's all up to you. Now, with his special consecration, there comes some restrictions. As a matter of fact, the word Nazarite comes from the term Nazar, which means to abstain. There are many, many things when we get saved, we're to abstain from. God has made us positionally holy. We're to be practically holy. Now, were you to study the book of Numbers, you would find there were three things a Nazarite had to abstain from. One, he could not cut his hair. Two, he could not drink liquor or strong drink. And three, he could not touch a dead body. What God said is yours, mine. I don't want you to have any worldly reputation. I don't want you to have any worldly pollution. I want you to make sure that you have no worldly stimulation. You belong to me. If you're saved, you have some restrictions. 1 Peter 1, 16, be holy. God said, for I am holy. The word holy means set apart from sin to God. Now somebody said, I hate restrictions. Well, I got news for you. If you don't ever get saved and you don't ever go to heaven, you're living in a world that has restrictions. How many of you have your license? Can I see your hands? I want to know who to avoid on the highways. Thank you. Then you have restrictions. You cannot drive in the left-hand lane at least long and survive. You can act like you want to and you can go as fast as you want, but you can either spend time in jail or go to the cemetery. There's some laws out there. You can see this big sign with a large fence in front of a power area and it says danger high voltage. You go ahead and bolt over that thing like you're the greatest athlete of all and run right up and touch it, you'll be a crispy critter and it'll be your fault, not God's. There are restrictions in life for everybody saved or lost. So he had some restrictions, some things he was abstained from. But with his name also came responsibilities. Samson's name means a number of things. One, it meant strong one. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. We're to walk in the strength of God. It meant light bearer. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It carried the idea of servant. Mark 10, 43, whoever will be the greatest among you, let him be your minister or your servant. The word Nazarite means devoted one totally to God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the word Nazarite, or the word judge, means one who delivers. And so Jesus said in Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. You're a modern day Samson with all the potential. You're to bear God's light, demonstrate God's power. You're to help deliver people so that they can understand the gospel. You're to be separated into God and love him with all your heart. Now, if I could stop here and we went home, we'd say, wow, Samson was one good dude. I'm sorry, I wish that was true. But you go from his spiritual potential, second, you see his sensual passions. It's interesting, if you go to chapter 4, He's about, chapter 14, he's about 20 years of age, so bear that in mind when you wonder what his parents are doing. He's under the counsel but not under their control. I want you to see the first words he says. Look down in verse 2. He says, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, now therefore get her for me to wife. Notice his next phrase, verse 3, latter phrase, get her for me, she pleases me well. You're going to find this about Samson. Every battle he fought was for himself. Every prayer he prayed was for himself. He was the center of his solar system. You see the word sensual means living for the five senses. What you can see, touch, hear, taste. If you are a spiritual person with passion, that's good. We ought to love the Lord with all our hearts. We ought to love the lost. We ought to have passions that are spiritual. But they're sensual passions that destroy us. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 13, 14 says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. What do you access on the internet? What do you have in the privacy of your bedroom? What are you doing when her parents are not at home, you shouldn't even be at her house? You're making provision for the flesh to fulfill it and the lust thereof. First Peter 2.11 says, I beseech you, strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust that war against your soul. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, charity, peace with all of them that call on the Lord out of your pure heart fervently. Now everybody in here tonight, everybody, every adult, every young person, you're either sensual or spiritual. You say, how would I know the difference? I'll Watch me and I'll tell you. A sensual person says, what does the world say? A spiritual person says, what do the word say? A sensual person says, how does this make me look? A spiritual person says, how does this make God look? A sensual person says, well, I like it. A spiritual person says, well, he like it. What kind of person are you? Are you sensual or are you spiritual? What are you doing with your life? And what you're going to find tonight, young people, is there are many people sitting in this room, and though your name is actually not Samson, you have the symptoms of a Samson. Here's what I'm going to do early in the message, so don't miss this. I'm going to appeal to you, I'm actually going to plead with you, don't ruin your life. Because you're going to see one of the saddest stories in the Bible you're gonna see a guy who might have been. You're gonna see a guy who, when we get through looking at his life, you'll say to yourself, how could he start so good and end so bad? What are the sensual passions that were in his life? What are the symptoms of a Samson? Well, first, you need to understand he was disobedient to God's command. You say, what do you mean? Well, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter seven, God had plainly said to the children of Israel, look, you are my people, You're not to intermarry with the heathen. You are not to have anything to do with the lost people. He got that from his parents. He got that from the prophets. It made no difference to him. He went down to Timnath. There's the Philistines. They worship idols. They're total pagans. You say, well, didn't God want him to go down to Philistia? Yes. He wanted him to go down to fight with the Philistine warriors, but he went down to flirt with the Philistine women. He was not on mission. He was out of it, and he was living for his passions. In Second Chronicles chapter six and verse fourteen, God says, "What fellowship hath Christ with Belial? He that believeth with an infidel." And then He tells us in verse seventeen, "Wherefore come out from among them and be separate," saith the Lord. Hey, pal, how about you taking your hat off in here, and I'll appreciate that. You're listening pretty good. Stay with us. So here's the bottom line: If you are dating as a girl an unsaved boy, you are out of the will of God. If you as a girl are dating an unsaved boy, you are out, well, I'm going to lead him to Jesus. God never called you to be a soul winner in that fashion. He said you are to stay apart from them, and unless they're born again, you're out of the will of God. Did you ever stop to think, that comes from the principle in the Old Testament, you're not to plow with animals of two different natures. You could put two donkeys in a in a oxen or in a one of these plow shear things, and they could have their heads together because they had the same nature. But you were never to take an oxen and a donkey and put them in the same yoke. That's unequal yoke. They won't work together. You ever stop to think, if you marry, son, an unsaved girl, your father-in-law is gonna be the devil. You see, the Bible says in John 8, 44, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. I wonder tonight, is there anything you know you shouldn't be doing, but you're doing anyway? Is there anything you know you should be doing, but you're not doing? Well, because he's going to go down, and he's going to get married to this woman, he's going to break the first two of his Nazarite vows. On his way down to see this future wife of his, a lion jumps out, He rips it like you'd take a small goat, tears a thing in half. I wonder if God was trying to say, hello, Samson, this is not what I had in mind for you. Well, he comes back a few days later and on his way back, there's that lion and in its dead carcass is a hive of honeybees. So he reaches in to get something sweet, watch me, out of something dead. And some of you are trying the same thing. You'll channel surf and go through all this corruption on television you'll say, but this is sweet. Look what you had to go through to get there. You know what's interesting? Tonight, if I came in with a filthy trash can, it had all type of corruption on it. You could see cockroaches uh, walking out of it. And I walked up and I said, do you see that baby Ruth? Help yourself. Most of you have enough sense to say, no, I'm not interested. Why are you trying to get something sweet out of music that came straight out of the pit of hell? Why are you trying to get something sweet out of corruption that makes sexual activity a plaything instead of a sacred thing? And so, number one now, he's already touched that dead body. Well, it's not long now until he's going to put on a feast. So I looked up that word in the Hebrew language, it's spelled mishta. You say, so what? So this. Mishta meant a feast of wine. Wait a minute, hey Sam, you remember there's three things that you weren't supposed to do. You're not supposed to touch a dead body, you're not supposed to get a haircut, and you're not supposed to participate in alcohol. You say, well, did he participate? I'm pretty sure he did, but if he didn't, he was at least getting it to them. We might call this his bachelor party. Have you read what the Bible says about Alcohol. Proverbs 20 and verse 1, wine is the mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever deceive thereby is not wise. So get it to your face tonight. If you imbibe, you're stupid, that's what God says. Proverbs 23, 29, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, With babblings, who hath wounds, when out of calls, who hath redness of eyes, they that go to tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Now listen carefully to the verse. Look not on the wine when it red, when it move itself for when it Give forth its color in the cup. That is the fermentation process. How do you know? It lasts. it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. That's not Welch's grape juice. God's curse is on the man who makes, sells, and drinks liquor. And if you adults are into this new movement, well, we can drink in moderation. You're as foolish as the Bible says you are. I do not preach just against the abuse of alcohol. I preach against the use of alcohol because if you never use it, you'll never abuse it. True story. I was preaching at a camp some time ago. A youth pastor came up. Let me tell you what happened in our youth department. Said the young man was a nice boy. Really, he hadn't been involved in sin as such. But he went out with some of his buddies and his parents regret they ever let him go on the overnight. One of the older guys on the camp out bought some vodka. This 14-year-old boy never had a drink in his life, but they kept taunting him. Oh, come on, man, come on, man. So he takes it. Oh, come on, man, come on, man. It wasn't long. If you've never drunk and you begin to drink vodka, you'll be drunk pretty quick. When they all went to bed, the next morning they got up, took their tents down. That boy didn't move. They called his name. He didn't move. That boy went over and kicked him. He didn't move. And one of the boys turned him over and he had puke all over his face because he choked to death that night and went out into eternity. One party was his last. It's not a joke. There are four million teenage alcoholics in the United States right now. And some of you are already in trouble. True story. A young lady was was (coughs) doing uh, the babysitting the parents were gone. She called her boyfriend. He came over and brought the booze. They both got soused. It hit the newspaper. It wasn't long until their inebriated condition, they turned on the oven and stuck the little baby in the oven and cooked it while the parents were gone. But alcohol won't bother you, so go ahead and play with it. It's the serpent in liquid that will destroy your life. Number one, he disregarded God's command. He disobeyed it. Hey, the Bible says thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord God in vain. Hey, you use profanity? You're a Samson. The Bible says thou shalt not steal. Do you go to stores and make a five-finger discount and don't pay for it? You're a Samson. The Bible says thou shalt not covet. You sit around thinking about what else you can get. You have the symptoms of a Samson. It all starts when you know what is right and you say, I'm not going to do it anyway. But the second thing that he not, not only shows what a Samson is like is the disobedience to God's commands, but in second, there's the disinterest in God's calls. I dare you to study all four chapters and show me where you love God. I dare you to start all of these chapters and show me where his heart was just tuned to the things of God. God had sent him to be a judge and deliverer. We've already gone over his names. He was equipped. God would come on him. By the way, in case you see a picture of a guy that looks like he's been pumping steel, and his biceps are as big as tomorrow, it's not necessarily true about Samson. The Bible never tells us how big his arms were, never tells us that he had a six-pack for a stomach, never tells us any of that, never says that. The thing that made him powerful was the power of God. Never forget that. And the power of God was upon him to do the work of God. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, when the Spirit of God is controlling you, you can do things that you couldn't do any other way. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ constrains us, for we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, That they which live, that's you and me, should not live unto ourselves, but to him which died for us and rose again. The apostle Paul got that. He got saved on the road to Damascus, and he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? Some of you, your whole philosophy is, what can I do and get away with it on the way to heaven? Wrong question. What you ought to do is be asking, what can I do for the cause of Christ on my way to heaven? Psalms chapter 40 and verse 8, the psalmist said, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Colossians 3.23, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto man. Knowing of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. My last verse is Philippians 1.21. In Philippians 1.20, Paul said that Christ may be magnified in my body. What magnifies? Well, if you go to school, you know that you can use either a telescope or a microscope to magnify you can take a telescope and something that's millions of miles away can be brought very close. You can take a microscope and something that is very minute can look almost as big as the world. What's God want you to do? He wants you to be His telescope so a God that looks real distant to this whole world will look close because they see you and Jesus and you. He wants to take a God that's very small. God's not at all in their thoughts. And he wants him to be very big to them because he's very big to you. And then Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Many of you have memorized 1 Corinthians 10.13, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do you really know what you're saying when you say that? The word glory roots itself in the word opinion. So here's what that verse means. Whether you eat, drink, play ball, whether you take tests, whether you dress, whether you watch TV, whether you sing, whatever you do, do all to give, watch it now, the right opinion of who Jesus is. Right. So let's go to your bedroom, and let's walk right on in, and let's go over to your DVD collection. And what I want you to do is take them one at a time and say, this really is what you're like. You want to see all the blood and guts on this? This is just like, you want hear all the profanity on this? You want to hear they, how they cuss you? This is, You say, don't preach me. If you can't hold up that to Jesus and say this is what you're like, what are you doing watching it? Now let's go over here to your MP3s and let's go over here to your downloads and I want you to say, now Lord Jesus, did you hear what they're singing? It's all about sex and immorality. You say, well, don't preach or me. If it's not giving the right opinion of Jesus, what are you doing listening to it? What are you doing Is it a part of your life? number of years ago, my son and son-in-law both traveled with me. They're now both senior pastors, but they were in evangelism for a period of time, and we put a message together, I think, Brother Herbst, I preach it here, entitled, The Media is Massacring Your Mind. I don't preach it anymore, but I update it every year, and I updated just about three weeks ago the top songs for the last few years. Are you aware the number one downloaded song in the United States of America is I Got a Feeling by Black Eyed Peas. Fill my cup, look at her dancing, just to take it off, let's do it. That was the number one downloaded song. Number three, downloaded song by the Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pow, I'm a Beast When You Turn Me On, Can't Read the Rest. Number two, Poker Face by Lady Gaga. I call her Shady Lala. That's a little bit closer. (laughs) The whole song deals with her personal experience with bisexuality. In Born This Way, she sings, and I quote, no matter gay, straight, bi, lesbian, transgendered, I was born this way. That's a lie straight out of hell. Now, we were all born sinners, but nobody was born a queer. You say, preach, you ought not call them that. They call themselves that. LBGTQ. Queer Nation Magazine, all kinds of things. It's not only wicked, it's weird. And I want to say to any of you girls, if some boy comes walking like a girl, run, baby, run. (laughs) You at the wrong place. When I was in high school, those boys didn't last long enough to get to lunch. We didn't have anything to do with that nonsense. Leviticus 18.22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as thou lies with womankind. It is an abomination. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It's an abomination. You say it's legal. Something legal is not necessarily moral. You say, well, the Supreme Court voted. The Supreme Court is not the Supreme Christ and you need to understand, it's still, still sin. Number four, download Flow Rider. Low, work the pole. I got the bankroll. I'm gonna say I prefer no clothes. You say, preach, you ought not read that. You ought not listen to that. You ought to see what I'm not reading. If you went through and saw the top singers for 219, the Jonas Brothers, Sucker, and Post Malone singing, Wow, I've been dancing on Copper cars, stumbling out of bars. Caleb, I got so high the other night I felt I was going to leave the ground. Charlie Pooth, slow it down. Oh, the more that I try to convince her that it won't work, the faster she takes off her clothes. Bruno Mars, locked out of heaven. It angers me when I read this. I'm born again every time you spend the night to me because your sex takes me to paradise. That is total blasphemy. Aria Grandi, dangerous woman. She says, I like women and men. I'm bisexual. I went through a breakup, and so now I'm with the girls. If that doesn't bother you, you're sick upstairs and may not even know the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Eilish, you are my addiction. Put your lips on my skin. You might ignite it. Wish you were gay. I'm just reading some of the top singers of today. is still number six on the charts. She sings Unfaithful. I wonder, God forbid... If you got sick and had to go home, but you made a mistake and forgot to call. So when you get home, you walk in and there's your mom with somebody's not your dad. You say, preacher, it's not funny. I'm not trying to be funny. Because some of you have already experienced that and it's broken your heart. You realize this crowd is pushing that? You realize this crowd is one of the reasons that marriage is at the 50% divorce rate? Do you realize that's why almost fifty percent of people who are living together are not married? Do you realize what's going on? It's because it's coming right out of this culture. Well, somebody said I listen to rap. R A P. It stands for Retards Attempting Poetry. Merry Christmas. (laughs) So the first question tonight is: Have you directly disobeyed God's command? Second, are you disregarding godly counsel? Third you'll find you have the symptoms of a Samson when there's in your heart and in your life a disregard for parental counsel. Now, I'm going to look right up here. you Are listening well? We believe that Samson was about 20, so therefore, he was not under the control of his parents. Let me explain. I have a son almost 40, a daughter 37, another daughter 35. They're not under my control. They were, but now they're all adults. I don't control what they do but I'm thankful that they still want my counsel. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother. Get this, honor never ceases. I'll say it again, honor never ceases. One of the last things my father heard on his deathbed from this fellow right here was yes, sir. You say, well, this yes, sir business that's just for Southern people. I tell you what you do. You go get you a Yankee out of Connecticut, take him to Paris Island, South Carolina, let him get in the United States Marines and say, yeah, no, nah, and he'll find his head in Alaska somewhere. It has absolutely zero to do with the area of the country. It has everything to do with respect. So do you respect and do you honor your parents? If you'd like to live a while, honor your parents. If you wouldn't, then treat them any way you want. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. Are you aware that there are very few commands that lengthen life, but one of them that shortens it is if you're a smart aleck, if you disrespect and dis- defy your folks. What you're doing is you're digging your cemetery plot. You're making an exit prematurely that you don't have to do. Proverbs chapter one and verse eight says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. Proverbs chapter six and verse 20, my son, keep thy father's commandments. Do you honor and respect your folks? My son, as I said, his next birthday will be 40. This past Sunday, they gave him a 95% vote to go take a senior pastor in the state of North Carolina. Now listen to me, he didn't have to call me one time. It's not his responsibility. He didn't have to ask me one question. But for the last months, at least twice a week, and sometimes three and four times a week, he's been on the phone. Dad, I've been praying about this. This happened. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? I say the same thing every time. Son, here's my two cents. Your knees work like mine do. Get on them and talk to the king. On Sunday, one of the first phone calls he made, in fact, I think it was the first phone call he made, he called me, said, Dad, they gave me a 95%. Tara and I and the family are going. He did not have to do that, but he wanted to honor me. When my girls were younger, I first gave the lecture on the birds and the bees to my son, my wife gave it to the girls. Every one of them looked at me and made this promise to her, to their mother and me. We promise we'll never date anybody or marry anybody that you don't approve of. Now some of you are going old fashioned, so is air and water, thank you very much. And you need both of those, so stay tuned. And uh, one day, one of my du- girls came and she said, uh, "This boy has an interest in me. Would you check him out?" Well, I happened to be preaching on that college campus. He had no idea he was under surveillance, but I worked for the FBI, and so <laughs> I'm sitting in the snack shop area and I'm watching this guy cruising around, trying to sweet talk all the women. And so I got in the car and took her to class, and she said, "What do you think?" I gave her two words, forget him. She repeated, I have forgotten him and we never talked about him anymore. You see, you better be careful because if your parents don't approve of the people you're dating or hanging out with, you ought to hang it up fast. You ought to tell them to take a long walk off a short pier. I was preaching in a northern city. The pastor came, said I want to tell you a story. It happened in our town. He said two summers ago, we had two rapes in our small town. The guy was never caught and he said, this past summer, a third rape took place. The fellow was caught. I said, I'm not exactly sure why you're telling me this story. He said, well, do you remember in our church, it was a young man. I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Well, he went all the way through the Christian school. He memorized more verses than anybody else did uh, in uh, a WANA program. He went off to a leading Bible college, and he was the rapist. I said, man, that's terrible. He was a real hypocrite. Oh, he said, yeah, but that's not all the story. He said he married a young lady who was a real sweet girl, and now he's pulling 25 years without parole, and she's married to a rapist. I said, okay. He said, the girl went to a friend of mine's church, and I called her in, and I said, we're hurting, and I'm so sorry about what happened to your husband. I'd just like to ask you a question. Did your parents ever see anything And she said, no, they were for it. And then she started crying. She said, I lied. She said, my parents never liked that boy. Oh. She said, uh, they said, please don't marry him. You better hear this story. She said, I'm going to marry him anyway. And then they made this appeal. They said, all right, let's give it one more year. If you'll date for one year and keep everything on the up and up, then we'll probably give you our blessing at the end of the year. Okay? Okay. No, I'm not going to do that. She married a year early. Oh, by the way, had she waited and listened to her parents, she wouldn't be married to a rapist tonight. But her parents didn't know anything. Young people, you better listen very carefully when mom and dad speak. Do they like your friends? If they don't, tell them to take a hike. Are they excited about where you're going to school? Then you better reconsider. Because if you don't, you're going to ruin your life. And some of you don't realize that you're in big trouble tonight because you just absolutely will not respect the control and counsel of your parents. I have a pastor friend who just recently retired. His uh, son went off to a leading Christian college. He did something that he got kicked out for and should have been kicked out. And his his dad said he disobeyed. He didn't come home. He didn't repent. He decided to stay in town. He was going to hang out with some of his friends. His parents laid awake nights praying for him. Watch me. Some of you don't realize it, but you got parents doing the same thing right now. Right now. Right now. While I'm preaching to you. They're brokenhearted, probably praying. They know what time the service is. Well, he said to his wife, he said, I just don't have a good feeling about what he's involved in. So he drove 600 miles and went to the apartment where he was staying, but he wasn't there. One of the guys that was staying in the apartment said, oh, he's not here. He's over at so-and-so's place. It's night. He gets out of the car. You can hear the banging music. You can smell the booze. He didn't even knock. He opened the door and walked straight in and walked straight up to his son. Boy, is it quiet now. Tears came down his cheeks. He said, son, I'm still mad enough to beat the fool out of you, but I'm turning you over to God. He said, you pick the fight with God, and you will lose. He said, I got back in my car, and he said, I drove 600 miles. The only thing I stopped for was gas. He said, Brother Farrell, I cried for 600 miles. He said, when I got home, my wife said, okay, what's he involved in? He said, I didn't want to tell her. She said, I want to know. He said, I didn't tell her half of the stuff I saw. He said, she screamed like somebody had knifed her. He said, for four days, my wife, I thought, had lost her mind. She'd sob in the night, sometimes raise her hands and cry, my boy, my boy. He said, I thought I was going to have to have her committed. You think he cared? Oh, by the way, bud, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And some of you don't realize at 15 that when you're at 45, you're going to have a boy just like you. You're going to have a daughter just like you. And you're going to sit in a camp like this and think you a hot dog, and then one day you're going to lay at home, and you're going to cry, oh, my daughter, oh, my son. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And it's coming your way. How do you know if you have the symptoms of a Samson? There'll be disobedience to God's command. There'll be disinterest in God's cause. There'll be disrespect for godly counsel. And then there'll be disbelief in God's chastening. I'm convinced Samson thought he was the exception to the rule. In chapter 16, after he's already lost his wife, and all, a lot of the story I don't have time to tell you, After he's caught all these foxes and put their tails on fire and burned up the barley fields and his wife's been given away and later she's been executed, after he's been through all this, he stops at a harlot's house. Chapter 16, read it. So in that area, the soldiers come together and they surround, pardon me, the whorehouse and they say, when he comes out, he's a dead man. Well, he gets up about midnight and when he comes out, he goes to the gates And he yanks them up, you better look up here, post and all. How heavy do you think they were? I wonder how tough you think you are, son. Samson took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand people, and he didn't have a knife, an axe, or a spear in his hand. You want to pick a fight with that dude? So when he picks them up and puts them over his head... Those soldiers are looking at each other saying, I don't want a piece of him. Uh-uh, not me either. And he walks, it's estimated 20 miles, and sets them down. You can almost hear him say, I can handle it. Bring it on. I can handle it. Oh, pride goes before destruction and a Holy Spirit before the fall. Well, then he goes to Sorek and he meets a lady named Delilah. He just cannot get over these women. He just cannot control his flesh. One author called him the he-man with the she-weakness. Every time he turns around, some chick has got him. Well, he's going in and out, visiting with her. The Philistines come and say, hey, Delilah, you want to make us some quick cash? We'll pay you more than you'll make in a lifetime. Find out what the secret to his strength is. The Bible says she afflicted him. It means she demeaned him. She made him look like a little boy. She faulted her stuff, and he bought into it. And she keeps pressing on him. And old Sam is saying, you know, I've been getting away with this, and we estimate for about 20 years. So he's somewhere around 40 now. Maybe he's going over. You know, the Philistines never whipped me when I was down there, and they got my first wife. (laughs) They thought they could surround me and I yanked the post of the gates. They can't get me. I'll betray God. I'll tell the secret. So he plays with her because he doesn't think there's any judgment. Have you folks ever stopped to think that every day we live in between two verses? You say, what are they? In Genesis 2, 7, God said in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. In Genesis 3, 4, Satan said, you shall not surely die. Every day, every person, including this preacher, we live between 2, 7, and 3, 4. Surely die, not die, surely die, not die, surely die, not die. And some of you don't believe that God will bring judgment on you because you've been getting away with stealing, haven't you? So far. You've been getting away with pornography, haven't you? So far. You've been getting away with messing around with your girlfriend, haven't you? So far. But there's always a payday. Someday. And you better mark it down. Be sure your sin will find you out. Samson, tell me what's the cause of your strength. I'll tell you what you need to do. You just kind of get seven green widths. Wrap them around my hand. The fist things upon you, Pop. Oh, you didn't tell me the truth. You don't really love me. How about seven? How about some new ropes? Fist things are pop. Come on, man. You don't love me. If you love me, you tell me. She said, I tell you what, baby. Let's drink a little, and you just kind of weave the locks in my hair. Fist things are upon you. He stands up. Boy, now she's pouring it on. She's crying. She's whining. He can't stand it anymore. I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. You cut off my hair, I'm like anybody else. She's got him. So his head is in her lap. Actually, his head is in Satan's trap. He just didn't know it. She cuts off his lap. Wait a minute. There's a part of that story you better read. How do you think they cut his hair off? while he was sound asleep. I think the sleep was wine-induced. I think I'll be proven right when I get to heaven. One, don't you touch a dead body. Two, don't you imbibe an alcohol. Three, don't you ever cut your hair. One, two, three stripes, you're out. Game over! Flistines are upon you. He stands up and doesn't know his strength has gone. So what happened? The Philistines gouged his eyes out. Tonight you have seen his spiritual potential. You have seen his sensual passions. He disobeyed God's command. He disregarded parental counsel. He had disinterest in God's cause. And he disbelieved that God would ever bring judgment on him. Here's the last thing. Don't move a muscle. Watch me. Watch his shameful punishment. The flu are upon you. He stands up and the first thing that was gone was his strength. You know why some of you have no power with God? You don't obey your parents. You monkey around in youth meetings just like you're trying to do right now. You snicker when you walk out of the pastor who preaches on judgment. Because you're a big timer. Hello, Samson. Your day's coming. And the reason you have no power to witness, and no power over temptation, and no power with the Holy Spirit of God is because you're under chastening right now. But he also lost his sight. I did a little study. I said, I wonder how they bored out the eyes of Samson. Three ways. Sometimes they took a sharp instrument and went up right to the point of the brain and let the eyes ooze. Two, they popped them out of the head and put them in a basin and took them to their key. Three, and most likely. They took a heated poker and slowly came towards the eyes. Can you hear him scream? The eyes that wouldn't look at God, they were looking at girls. The eyes that wouldn't focus on what he was supposed to do but what he wanted to do. And they seared the eyes out and literally burned them out of the sockets. You know why some of you in this building can't see lost souls? You're sold on you. You know why you can pass people in your youth group that are hurting and can't see their hurt? Because it's all about you. I went into a meeting State of North Carolina, Sunday morning. Sat down, noticed the guy beside me was bald, had sunglasses on. My wife wears sunglasses now, even indoors, because she has very sensitive eyes because of the medication she'd been taking. And I thought, well, maybe this boy's taking medication. And so I turned and spoke to him. He gave me his name. And he said, are you the preacher? He said, I am he took off his sunglasses I've only seen it once in my life I've seen people that were blind I've seen people with false eyes but he had two holes in his skull no eyes he said sir preach hard I used to be a general in Satan's army and that's where these eyes went you tell these people they better not mess with God And I'm telling you tonight, you better not mess with God. He lost his strength. He lost his sight. And he lost his service. Since he wouldn't serve God, he's serving the pagans. He's grinding at the mill. Did you know that was woman's work? They took slave women. And they would make them walk round and round and round. And they'd laugh. You imagine how many days he's walking around and around, he can't see, and they come down and they're laughing, hey, there's Sammy boy, the terror of the territory. How you doing, Sammy boy? And everybody's laughing, and there are unsaved people laughing at you, because you listen to the same thing, you watch the same thing, you use the same language, and you have no testimony whatsoever. His sight was gone. His strength was gone. His service was gone. And then the Philistines came up with a plan. We're going to have sport. We're going to have a special holiday. And Sammy Boy is going to be the entertainment. So they pack into this massive building. 3,000 plus. Go get him! A kid, a child, has to bring Mr. Big Bitches in because he can't see. You know what they were chanting? Dig oh, God. You know who that is? Their chief God. You know what they were saying? Your God's no good. Our God whipped you. Your God's no good. Our God whipped you. And every one of you in this building that's living in sin is allowing unsaved people in your neighborhood and in your school and in your church to praise their God and blaspheme yours. Every one of you. So you keep it right on up and when God has enough, he's going to take you out too. That's right. Hey son, where are the pillars? Over here, sir. He gets over and he gets in between the two pillars. You know what? I, 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 I'm thinking to myself when I read this. Sam, for one time in your life, get God glory. I'm just waiting for him to pray. Oh God, I've offended you. I've been as corrupt as the Philistines. Let me serve you this time. Get glory to yourself. That's not what he prays. Avenge me of my two eyes. He's still living for himself. But God had allowed his hair to grow, and the Spirit came on him one more time. And he pushes this pillar and this pillar and the roof is beginning to crack and the people are running for their lives, but it's too late. Every one of them dies. Oh, but don't forget, Sam died too. He killed more in his death than his life. There's a part of the story some of you haven't read close. His parents came down to get him. if that doesn't mean anything to you, you're not even listening. They had to come from the holy people to the unholy people. They had to walk in to the temple that was in shambles. They had to walk by some grieving parents of pagans that were dead. And then they had to look for Samson. Wonder who found him. Was it his daddy? Was it his brother? I wonder who found him. Maybe it was his mother. Go back 40 years. This is Manoah. Yes. I'm God's angel. Yes. You're going to have a baby. I'm, I'm barren. No, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be a judge. God's going to use him. You have any idea what it must have been like if she found him? She moved a rock, and there's the smashed skull of her boy. Can you hear her scream? The family comes over and pushes the rocks back. Nobody's laughing now. Nobody's telling jokes now. Nobody's turning the music up loud now. It's a funeral up the lifeless body of Samson and cover it over and put it on an animal and they have to walk through every single solitary pagan that God was going to conquer by that boy's life but he lived for himself I have a question you have the symptoms of a Samson now I got some, some good news for you and you need it if you confess here's what that means I agree with God. I agree with you, God. I'm looking at filthy pictures. I agree with you, God. I'm using filthy language. I agree with you, God. I'm actually into, in books that I should never... I'm with the wrong crowd. I agree with you, God. I've been smarting off to my parents. I agree with you, God. I've been messing around in services when I... If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Look what the word means? To release. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that word means? Remove. You've got two choices tonight. If you have the symptoms of a Samson, you can confess and have mercy and total forgiveness. Or you can combat God and have misery. But you mark this down and put it in highlights. What you just saw in the Bible that same God is alive and in this room right now. And if you think everything you just heard was an Old Testament myth, you're stupid. You haven't got a brain in your head. You say, preacher, have you seen it? I wish, I wish I didn't have the stories I have. I'd I'd much rather tell success stories. Not far from where I used to live. The fellow was 20 years' age, and he was a pastor's son. Daddy pastored a little country church. He didn't have a lot of education, but he was a sweet-hearted guy. Loved the Lord. That boy did okay until he was about 18, then he decided he was on his own. 19, wrong crowd. At 20, his dad went to him and begged him to get his life turned around. It's my life! I'll live it the way I want. His mom and dad fasted and prayed. There was a pastor friend, and his 20-year-old son respected him. So he went to his pastor friend, and he said, Would you do me a favor? Would you come over and talk to my son? Maybe you can get through to him. And so he went over, and he sat down with him. He said, You're killing your mom and dad. You're embarrassing God. Why don't you just come home and get right with God? He said, I'm not going to live for God, and you, nor God, can make me. And that old country preacher looked at him and he said, Son, I'm turning you over to God. You better hear me tonight. If an old country preacher, somebody that walks with God, turns you over to God, you're in more trouble than you'll ever get out of. Because when a man of God delivers you to God, you are in trouble. He kept running with the wrong crowd. The other day I went up to preach at the camp and I always passed the turnoff. It's not there anymore, but there used to be a bar. The bikers came in. The tough guys came in. And a preacher's boy was in it. To this day, to this day, nobody knows why this crazy fella did it. He'd never been in that bar. Preacher's boys toast it and they're all laughing. They're telling jokes. They're having a big time. And suddenly it's almost like this guy's demon-possessed. He lets out a blood-curdling scream pulls a knife out of his belt. Where does he go? He moves away from everybody except the preacher's boy. And he plunges that knife into his chest 20 times. They're fighting with him. They're trying to hold him back. It's like trying to hold Godzilla back. He's tearing that kid to shreds. He's laying, twitching on the floor, blood going everywhere. One of his buddies said, Man, to the bartender, you got to call the police. He said, Police, nothing. You get him out of here. Go ahead and run with that crowd. See if they care. They put him in a car. I've been in that trail many, many times. Before they ever got into the hospital, he expired in the back seat. They had to have a closed casket because it was ugly the way he died. That little church was. Jam packed. A godly mother and father sat down front. What did they do wrong? But to this day, they suffer because they had a Samson for a son. Don't you ever believe, ever believe that what you do is only about you? It's not about you; it's about everybody. don't you ever believe that came straight from hell? The other preacher that delivered him to God got up and preached preached and wept, preached and wept. People got saved that day. They started believing the truth. Tough guys said, we don't want a peace of God. We want to make peace with God. And then it was not on the program. But his daddy got up. Then he walked over and he put his hand on the casket. Nobody was coughing. Nobody was breathing hard. They were just listening. And he looked out at that congregation. And he said, Ladies and gentlemen, my son is in this casket because he rebelled against God. And then he held out his hands. He said, Please don't rebel against God. And I'm saying to you tonight, please don't rebel against God. Come home to Jesus.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.